done for me.
pause this weekend we'd like to just put a few quotes on the screen to help you remember the fallen this week
shall we just pause uh, and have a moment of silence to remember those that have given their life for our country. Let's bow together as we just pause for a few moments. Would you thank God for this free country in which we live and remember those that gave the ultimate sacrifice. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you this Memorial Day weekend, Lord. We thank you for our country, Lord. We don't take it for granted. You've given it to us and we ask you to give us strength to protect the freedom that we have here today, Lord. Uh, Father, we thank you for those that have made a sacrifice for, for our freedom for this country, Lord. And today we stand in, in, in honor of them. We stand in memory of them today, Lord, thanking you for the sacrifice that they paid, for some gave all, and we thank you for that today, Lord, for those that gave their life, and we, we ask that uh, you'll be with those families, some, some today which are still living in, in, in the aftermath, Lord, we ask that you'll be with them and minister to those folks, Lord, even in recent days who have given their life for this country. God, we, we thank you, and we just ask that you'll be upon us today as we live and enjoy this free country, the freedom to come and share your word, to open God's word freely in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Today we'd like to welcome you to Crossroads Ministries. Um, would you please pass the friendship folders this morning? Uh, take them and pass them down now. That helps us to keep a better record so that we can better minister to you and your family. We have just a few few announcements this week. Uh, every Wednesday, we have our adult Bible fellowships. There's the men and women's Bible fellowship. And God is doing something exciting. Whenever two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there. And I have great joy when I walk around. I see these little groups starting to form where they are gathering together around God's word. So that's on Wednesday, the men's and women's Bible fellowship, 630 up here at the church. Also on Wednesday is our, children, our youth ministry. Youth Ministry meets over at Straight Street at Connect Student Ministries, and that is at 6 and 7.30. God is doing great things over there. We're hearing lives that are being touched by Jesus. Caleb was sharing, me, sharing with me just this week about how a few students are just really getting excited about what God is doing in their lives. And there's nothing greater to us than when a young person gets excited for God. 7.24, our young adult ministry. If you're out of high school... And beyond, we have a young adult ministry that meets over at Straight Street Building at 7.24 p.m. on Thursday evenings. We invite you to come out. We have a great time. One young man said this to me as he left this week. What's happening here is changing my life. And that's what we're all about, isn't it? We're all about bringing people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's what happens here on Friday night with Celebrate Recovery. Pastor Al has a great group over in the gymnasium. 6 o'clock on Friday evenings, and uh, they are working through habits, hang-ups, and hurts, and uh, how Jesus is the answer. Celebrate recovery. That is on Fridays at 6 p.m. We encourage you to come out and see what God is doing there. Then this Saturday, we have a spaghetti dinner. Our, our young people are doing a spaghetti dinner here at the church. We encourage you to come out from noon to 7. Come I'm sure Caleb will tell you come two or three times, right? Come on out. You can have lunch or dinner at the spaghetti dinner in the gymnasium. And they're trying to raise, raise some funds to help our teenagers get off to summer camp this year. Then, in just a month, we have our very first summer movie. 
It's the uh, dolphin tail. We're going to put up our 30-foot screen out on the lawn. We ask you to invite a few people from the community to come up and enjoy a nice family night here at the church. If this is your first time here, we ask you to please stop by our, our welcome center in the foyer. And we have other information about the church and how that you can get involved and just let you know a little bit more about the church. And then last but not least, we have, a, we have an exciting opportunity. This week, there's a, a, a publication that's been made about the church, and it'll be going out in the mail. If you get the red plum, the coupons, this will be coming in your red plum this week. And it shows a little bit of everything that's going on about the church. So I'd like to ask you to pray. That goes out this Tuesday. We want to pray and ask God to reach into homes. It's going to go into about 11,000 homes, representing roughly about 40,000 people. So it's a big opportunity for us to spread the word about the church. We'll give you one of these as you exit today. Now pastor's going to come and share with us about the summer prayer emphasis. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ken. Well, it's so good to see you in the Lord's house today. If you're happy to be here, say amen. amen. What an exciting morning today. This has been, I think, of course, when the sun comes out, that always adds a little bit of, uh, of fun to the day. But I'll tell you, the spirit of the church has just been awesome this morning. Even last night in our Saturday night service, it was great to my surprise. And so we're just thanking the Lord that you're here today. Uh, you know, this is a somber weekend. It really is. It's, uh, uh, Joanne and I were riding through Finleyville this morning, of course, coming to church. And boy, you know, we have all the flags out in Finleyville. Thank God for, the, for all the men that put those out. Uh, this is uh, the weekend that we uh, think about and we honor those who gave all in the service of their country. You know, sometimes I get Veterans Day and Memorial Day mixed up. You know, I, I feel like I always want to honor the veterans. I love the veterans, everybody that served in our military. But that's for another day. Today is for those who gave all for our country. And that's another thing. It's another level altogether. And so I want you to be thinking this weekend, whenever you see the flags flying around your neighborhood and wherever you go, I want you to ask the Lord to help the families. You know, this is tough on the families that, that have lost a, a loved one in a war. Uh, pray for them that God will give them strength and comfort, okay, uh, for the next couple of days. And we'll thank you for that. Inside your Sunday Courier, we're getting ready for our summer ministry here at church, June, July, and August. And I've placed this uh, prayer list in your Sunday courier. And I ask you to join our prayer team. Uh, we're praying that as we travel, that God will use us as an ambassador for Christ. Uh, you know, I always encourage people, yeah, take a vacation, enjoy yourself, but don't vacation from God on your vacation. Make your vacation a vacation for God. And, uh, Last evening in the Saturday night service, one of our young ladies had already taken her vacation down on the Outer Banks, and she said, boy, I had a wonderful opportunity uh, to share with one of my relatives what it means to be a Christian. And that's what this first item is all about right here. When, we, when that's on our mind and we're out and about, uh, God can use us. We're also praying that God will protect our quiet time. You know, that's the time that we stop each day our life and look into the Word of God and let God speak to us. And we pray, and we pray the list. Uh, I'm praying for you this summer that God will help you to prioritize the quiet time in your life. You pray for me. Uh, 
On the back, we have all of our activities for the summer, and we just don't want to be a church that's noted for our activities. We want to be a church that attracts people to the church to point them to Christ. That's our goal. Uh, and so we need the power of God to do that. We can't do that by ourselves. That's a God thing. And so if you'll join our prayer team this summer, I want to ask you today to put your name on this little piece of paper. It's in your courier. And no matter whether you've done this before or not, this is a great exercise. You'll really enjoy it. And this simply means that you'll do your best to pray June, July, and August over this list five days a week. And I know that you're going to miss some of those days, and we're, not, and, uh, we're all like that. But we're, we're promising to God that we're going to lift up the, the church. You know, prayer, prayer is the glue that holds the church together. It really is. And we don't want to lose any momentum this summer. So please put your name on this. Take this list home and uh, begin to pray it June, July, and August. I think you'll be blessed. Let's stand together this morning as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together. We thank you every week for uh, your help in the ministry here. Uh, you know, when you get this piece of uh, this advertisement uh, on the way out of church today, you'll go through that and you'll say, this is what you're going to say. I never knew our church was involved in all of these things. And so we come together on Sunday and we have our Sunday gathering, but our church meets every day of the week, really. And we have things going on constantly up here on this hill. And so this is our time to support that in a financial way. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much that uh, you've blessed us with a job, a means of income, a way to support our family. And uh, Lord, now we've come together up here on this hill to support our spiritual family, uh, to, uh, to be a blessing to the church. Uh, so that we can reach out in our community and share Jesus with people who need you. I pray now today, Lord, that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Each day 
Thank you. Thank you, Julie York. We have a special family in our church this morning. I know some of you met them already. Uh, Kent and Julie York, all the way from the great state of Oklahoma. 
let's let's welcome them, okay? Yeah. Uh, and uh, they they are the parents of our youth pastor Caleb, and uh, they're enjoying their four grandkids up here. I saw them when you came back yesterday from the zoo. You looked really tired. Uh, and they, you know, the zoo is one thing, and four grandkids on top of that—that's that's another thing altogether. We're so thrilled that, that they're here with us, and uh, so Kent York. Uh, Kent is an evangelist. He travels across the country and lots of different places around the world, and uh, we're happy he's here. Come on, Kent, and speak to us. God bless you. Thank you, preacher. Yeah, and you know what? We got back from the zoo, and that wasn't good enough. We had to go to my hotel and swim in the swimming pool. Until about 8.30 last night, and I was, if I was a Bavarian, I'd have been a Bush Bavarian. I was, uh, I was worn out. Well, good morning. It's glad, I'm glad to be in Finleyville, Pennsylvania. And uh, I always want to just start out and say thank you for being so kind to Caleb and Amanda and our four precious grandbabies. Some of you have come up to me and say, they stayed at our house or I've watched their kids or they borrowed my car. Uh, nobody said that you loaned them $20, but anyway, but I'm sure some of you probably have. But anyway, thank you for being so wonderful to my kids. Every time they call me, they just have glowing things to say about Dr. Arnold and Brother Ken and the whole church family. And I tell you what, I, it makes your heart good when your kids are being well taken care of and they're happy in what they're doing. Me and Julie, in January, we were married 35 years. And so, oh yes, thank you. She deserves it. Some of you young bucks are out there right now going, how in the world do you stay married 35 years? Well, let me give you my advice. We go out and have dinner twice a week. Relaxation, a nice beverage, a good meal. Uh, she goes on Thursday night, I go on Friday night. And uh, that will save your marriage, I'll guarantee you. So... I talk brave when she can't get at me, all right? But anyway, we were blessed with five kids. Yeah, we've got five kids. We had four ugly, knot-headed boys right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then there is a God in heaven. He gave us a baby girl after four ugly boys. Can you believe that? And Julie was extremely organized. She named our kids in alphabetical order, A, B, C, D, and E. And they all have a middle name that starts with the letter J. So I have an AJ, a BJ, a CJ, a DJ, and an EJ. All right? And so it's easy to remember my kids. AJ, our oldest son, he is the campus pastor at the Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, him and his wife, Brooke. And then Ben and his wife, uh, Ashley, and three grandbabies are over in Columbus, Ohio. Hilliard is the suburb of Columbus. And Ben is the pastor of a church that he founded three years ago, October 30th. They celebrated their third anniversary 
Easter, they had 416 in attendance over in Columbus, and they run 200 almost every week now. And so we're so proud of Ben and his ministry over in Columbus. And then y'all know where Caleb is. He's serving at the Great Library Baptist Church with with Dr. John Arnold in Finleyville, Pennsylvania. There, There he is. He's here. And then Daniel, our baby boy, he's married to a beautiful young lady and uh, they're the youth pastors for his brother Ben over in Columbus. And so all four boys are in church this morning serving the Lord. And then Elizabeth, our baby girl, she's 21. She just completed two years at the University of Oklahoma, Boomer Sooner, you've heard of them. And uh, she came to us about a month or six weeks ago and she said, Dad... I don't think I'm supposed to be at OU. I'm happiest when I'm doing ministry, and I want to go to Baptist Bible College this fall and study for the ministry. And so she's going to be headed to Springfield this August. And so all five of my kids are wonderful Christians, and they're serving the Lord, and I've got seven beautiful grandbabies, and I'm going to have a bunch more. A bunch more. i got two, and ain't ain't even had any yet. And so uh, I am a very blessed man. But I tell you what, we're honored to be here this morning. And uh, we want to be here for one reason, and that is to be a blessing. Now, I'm not a pastor. I am an evangelist. You understand there's a difference. A pastor, Dr. John Arnold, is your pastor. He stays in one place and comforts the afflicted. Uh Uh-huh. I go every place and afflict the comfortable. All right? (laughs) So I have a different ministry than him, and you'll notice it this morning. We're, me and him are about as opposite. The only thing we agree on is the Bible, all right? But we're opposites, but I have a different ministry. And I want you to really pray hard because I'm hoping down the road, maybe in a year or a year and a half, uh, Brother John had turned me loose on this church for four full days of revival meeting. I think it'd be wonderful, but we're going to have to pray hard for that. You you have to pray all summer for that, I think, because... Uh, I don't know if he's got the courage to do that yet, but I'd love to come back and do a full-fledged evangelistic revival as an evangelist. But today, I just get to preach, so let's get our Bibles out and go to the book of Luke this morning. Go to the Gospel according to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter number 2. We're going to begin down in verse number 40. Luke chapter 2, verse number 40. Would you mind standing and we'll honor God's word as we read it this morning? As the preacher's already said, we are so proud of servicemen, veterans, men and women both that have protected our country. I think you know those that were killed in service. Those are the real heroes, aren't they? They gave it all. I come from a long line of patriotic Americans. My, in my lineage is the famous Sergeant Alvin C. York, the Congressional of Honor Medal winner in World War I. And uh, my father served in the Navy in the Philippine Islands. And I had an uncle that was killed guarding a bridge during the D-Day invasion that was blown up by the Germans. And he was killed in that battle. And we have long been a family that honor our veterans. We love them. 
And I'm going to tell you, they're over there fighting today. And some people say, well, that's not our war. Let me tell you something. If that bunch over there takes over the world, we will not be able to do what we're doing right now. Do you understand that? They'll cut your head off for reading the Bible. And I'm proud of our young people. They're defending our freedom as we speak right now. So I love uh, those that are willing to lay down their life that we could have this freedom. Luke chapter 2, look at verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. You know, we're really bad about Jesus when we only think of him either as a baby in the manger or as an adult during his earthly ministry. You know, Jesus, at one point, he was just a boy. At this point in his life, he's 12 years old. Read on, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they were returning, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they supposing him to have been in the company when a day's journey, and they sought him among the kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, wow, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for this church that has stood on this hill and in this community for many years. as a lighthouse. Thank you, dear God, for our servicemen that have died to protect our freedoms. I pray you'd be with their families and comfort their hearts even as they still hurt from the loss. Lord, I ask you to bless the reading of your word. I'm praying this morning for a Christian man and a Christian woman that are just about as cold and stagnant and as far from Jesus as they've ever been. I pray today would be a day of drawing near, a day of change. Give me clarity of thought. Give me boldness to preach. We give you the next few moments. You take it, you bless it, and we'll be very, very careful 
to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. <coughs> you know, being a parent is hard work. I'm 56 years old, and me and Julie, we look back and we wonder, how did we ever raise five kids? How did we ever have enough energy to do that? I don't, I don't know. That's why young people have kids instead of old people, because we'd kill them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's hard being a parent. But have you ever lost one of your kids? Have you ever just lost one of them? Now, for the daddy, it's not that big of a deal. You know, dad's kind of like, ah, he'll show up. Ah, there's more where those came from. But for a mama, it's the most humiliating thing in the world to lose her child. Years ago, I pastored a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. There was a fellow about 45 miles south of Kalamazoo in the little town of Cassopolis, Michigan. His name was Larry Knight. And Brother Larry had started a brand new church, and he was meeting in the basement of the Social Security Administration in Cassopolis. He called me one day, and he said, Brother Kent, uh, would you come down on a Sunday night and preach for me? And I said, well, Larry, that'd be great. So at that time, we just had the four boys, and I had one of these, I'd bought one of these big Ford Econoline conversion vans. Have you ever seen one of them? It's got a couch in the back and the captain. Oh, when you got four boys, that's the best car in the world because they're just back there. It's like romper room in the back going down the road. And uh, I loaded up the four boys and Julie and we drove down to Cosopolis and when we got down there, Larry had about 25 people in metal folding chairs and then he'd taken a four-bait sheet of plywood and put it up on some tuba twelves and he made a little platform and carpeted it and had one little podium and there I was I was on that one little podium preaching to these 25 people and there was a young lady on the second row and she had a little two year old on her lap and he was just as cute as a button but he was fidgety and you know how he would do and she'd put him down and he'd run out in the aisle about two feet and then she'd reel him in and then you know how kids are then they'll go three feet and then four feet. Next thing you know, that little pot liquor's walking up and down the middle of the aisle. And then all of a sudden, he comes down and sits down on the corner of the platform. And I'm up there trying to preach, and everybody's like, that kid, he's sitting on the platform. Oh, it just irritated the life out of me. I wanted to go over there and drop kick that kid right off the end of that platform. His little legs weren't that long, and he just sat there just perfect. And I thought, well, if they're going to watch him, then me and him need to get together. So I went over there and just picked him up. He was just cute as could be. And I'm preaching now, carrying a two-year-old. Well, I'll tell you, nobody in the building took their eyes off of me for a minute. I mean, he was smiling and looking at everybody, and I'm just a preaching, carrying this two-year-old. And I got down to the end of my message, and I just quietly went over there and slipped him into his mama's lap and the service was over and we went home and we got about 15 miles outside of Cassopolis and I mean me and this lady I tell you we were giving that mother heck 
Can you believe parents today? Can you believe a mother that doesn't know how to take care of her own kids to let that kid come all the way down to, I cannot believe people have children like that. And all of a sudden, Caleb goes, Dad, where's Danny? (laughs) Danny was our four-year-old at the time. I said, he's under that couch. Danny, you come out from under that couch. And all three boys dived over the back, and Andy, our oldest, stuck his head up and said, Dad, he ain't back here. We had left a four-year-old at the Social Security building. We cut a U-turn. I'm driving 90 miles an hour back to Cosopolis. I see a car coming with its headlights flashing, and I slow down, and the preacher rolls down his window and goes, Brother Kent, you forgot something. Boy, I got out of that van. I got that kid. I put him in that van. We cut a U-turn headed to Kalamazoo. And you could have heard a pin drop in that van. And all of a sudden, Julie goes, Well, you know it's hard being a parent. And she was a single mom, too. And she, I'm like, yeah, bless her heart. She had a hard time, you know. Isn't it amazing how compassionate you become? When you lose your kid. Well, you know what we find today in this story, Mary and Joseph. You talk about having the ultimate purpose in life. God had given Mary and Joseph the ultimate purpose. I want you to be the earthly parents of my only begotten son. And if you look at the life of Mary and Joseph, you'll notice nothing before the birth of Jesus, nothing after the death of Jesus will amount to anything in their life. The greatest days of their life was 33 and a half years where they were the parents of Jesus Christ. And what did they do? They blew it. They lost him. How do you lose? Jesus. And this morning, I'm sad to say, we've got a lot of Christians in our churches. There's some in this room this morning. And if the truth be told, you lost Jesus a long time ago. Now let me stop and make this very clear. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm a Baptist through and through. And you know one of the bedrock doctrines of the Baptist church is the eternal security of the believer. That means once saved, always saved. There are a few churches in the area and they sing that song. You've heard it before. I once was lost in sin and I believe I am again. No. We don't sing that song here at the Baptist Church because we believe that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Once you get eternal life, He keeps His promise and it is eternal life. I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about a closeness to Jesus. I'm talking about a realness about Jesus. I'm talking about getting up every morning and He walks beside you and spends the day with you and He's real to you and you pray, you study your Bible, you live a life where Jesus is evident every day of your life. Some of you have lost Him. And I thought this morning, let's look at 
How did Mary and Joseph lose Jesus? And maybe we can relate to this. First off, I want you to notice that they lost Jesus even though they had been extremely faithful in their religion. In verse number 41, it said, They went to Jerusalem every year. Verse 42, After the custom of the feast. Verse 43, And they had fulfilled the days. I want you to notice that Mary and Joseph were very religious. The feast of the Passover was a commembrance of when the death angel passed over the children of Israel in Egypt. You remember the story. The firstborn of every home would die unless there was blood on the doorpost. It's an eight-day feast. Starts with two days of very severe feasting, four days of mild feasting, followed by two last days of a very strong feast time. During that time, they could only eat certain foods. During that time, they would do certain things. They wouldn't travel distances. It was a religious feast. The Bible says that they went to Jerusalem every year. They didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived up in Nazareth. They had to walk to Jerusalem. But you know what? They set aside time every year to walk to Jerusalem and then they followed the customs and they fulfilled the days. Guess what? Mary and Joseph were extremely religious but they still lost Jesus. And there's some of you like that this morning. Oh yeah, you're religious. You say, well, I go to Library Baptist Church and I go down there every Sunday and I listen to Brother John preach and I follow all the customs of the Baptist Church. I get a haircut like a Baptist and, and I dress like a Baptist and I smell like a Baptist and I don't date girls that drink, smoke, or dip. Well, la-di-da-da, you're religious. But I'm going to tell you, you can be as religious and as faithful to a church and you can still do it with a cold deadness without Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying this morning? There's some of you that you've punched the cruise control button years ago and you're going through the motions of being a Christian. You're going through the motions of coming to church, listening to a message, and then driving down the Golden Corral and have lunch. And that's what you call... Christianity. And I'm going to tell you there's many churches today that are dead and cold and lifeless because the churches are full of people that lost Jesus a long time ago. He wants to be real in your life. He wants to be real on Monday. He wants to be real on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. Not just Sunday. Joseph and Mary, they lost Jesus even though they'd been religious. Secondly, in verse 44, they took it for granted that he was with them. Now look how it reads there. But they, supposing him, I'm reading out of the King James this morning, supposing him to have been in the company. That word supposing means they just took it for granted that he was in the group. Now get your mind's eye going here. They didn't go to Jerusalem in a minivan, no. They walked and there was a big company of them. Two guys had a donkey and a guy had a cart and there was a guy with a camel and they were going down the dirt road. There was a big old bunch of them. 
Back in that days when you would go to the feast, the little towns people would line the streets that couldn't go and they'd cheer you and, and then on the way back they'd stop and say, how did it go, how did it go, because we couldn't go. And Oh, it was quite a parade. And they get one day out of town. They've walked for a day. And they start looking for Jesus. Surely he's in the crowd. Huh? You know, there's some people that take it for granted that Jesus is in the church building. Well, let me break your little bubble. There's no Jesus in this building. When I was a kid, the Bible used to say, we're one or two or three are gathered together. I'm there also, and I used to think, where is he? Is he sitting there? No, when the Bible says two or three are gathered together, I'm there also. He's there because you bring him with you. And I'm going to tell you, if you've lost Jesus during the week, it's hard to bring him to church on Sunday. And do not take for granted that every building that runs a steeple up it and a cross on top of it and calls itself a church has got Jesus. You know what? Jesus only shows up at Library Baptist Church when he comes with you. I always got people all the time, you know, these people, you try to invite them to church and they'll go, well, Brother Kent, I'm a Christian, I just don't believe you got to go to church. And I always say, well, the day you got saved, did Jesus take up residence in your heart? And they go, yes, he did. Well, guess what? Jesus likes to go to church. Take him. Dumbest thing I ever heard. You know what? Jesus only comes to the crowd when you bring him with you. Don't take for granted that the preacher's got Jesus. Don't take it for granted the Sunday school teacher's got Jesus. Don't take it for granted that anyone brought Jesus. You've got to have Jesus yourself. When I was a pastor for years, 18 years, we'd have little kids and every once in a while there'd be a couple of weird ones and they'd go out the door and they'd look at me like this. And I'd say to their mother, what's the matter with your kid? And then she'd go, <laughs> he thinks you're Jesus. You know, because a kid, you know, here's preacher, oh, that's Jesus. Well, you know what? The preacher's not Jesus. Jesus is here. So Jesus was not in the company. Read on in that same verse, verse number 44. And they sought him among the kinfolk. Uncle Mordecai, do you have Jesus? Aunt Elizabeth, do you have Jesus? Nope, we haven't seen him. Surely they thought the kinfolks had Jesus. And you know what? There's some of you this morning in this building, you take it for granted that your kinfolks got Jesus. Now I know this is a touchy subject, and I'm going to wade into it very easily. Your kinfolks you love. And it's hard to believe that people you love may not have Jesus. Have you ever heard this? Well, I tell you what, brother, kid. My mama, she scrubbed her floors on the hands and knees and she took care of us and fed us beans and rice and worked three jobs. And If there's anybody going to heaven, it's my mama. You ever heard that? And I think that's wonderful. You've got a great mama. She worked so hard. But let me just tell you something. If your mama has never been saved under the blood of Jesus Christ, your mama is not going to heaven. 
just because she took care of you, just because you love her, just because she scrubbed floors. No, mama needs Jesus like everybody else. There's some of you senior saints. I see you out there this morning. Yeah. Your hair had either turned white or it turned loose, one or the other. Okay. Some of you got sweet grandbabies like I do. And you know what? We can sometimes go, well, that grandson of mine, he plays baseball and he can hit a ball and he can throw a pitch and he's the goodest kid and he gets on my lap and he kisses me on the cheek and if there's anybody going to heaven, it's my grandson. Well, you know what? Some of you got grandsons that have never met Jesus Christ. They do not have Jesus. And stop taking it for granted that your grandkids are going to heaven just because they're sweet to you. If they don't have Jesus, they're not saved. Some of you need to walk from this building today and you need for the first time in your life talk to your family about Jesus. You say, but brother kid, if I do, they'll get mad at me. Well, you know what? The first thousand years in heaven, they'll get over it. But I'm going to tell you the first second in hell, they're going to curse your name because you knew the truth. And you never once told them. Stop taking it for granted the kinfolk have Jesus. Then the Bible says when they couldn't find him among the kinfolk, they said, is he among the acquaintances? These are just your friends. Some of you got good friends. You bowl with them. You play softball. They eat at your house. You eat at their house. They live next door. You work with them. And they're good friends. But they don't have Jesus. And you need to tell them about Jesus. Julie's daddy. Julie's from Kansas City. Her daddy was a mama were devout Catholics. He worked for the Kansas City Power and Light Company. There was a group of Christian men that were starting a Bible study before work every morning. And they invited my father-in-law to come because they said, you're a religious man, you'd like to study the Bible? Well, of course. And he started studying the Bible. And I think you know and I know that Catholics are wonderful people, but they don't have a clue what the Bible says. And if you ever get one in a Bible, it's dangerous. Because mm-hmm. they're going to get saved. And my father-in-law got saved. And on a Sunday night at the Kansas City Baptist Temple, he walked an aisle and trusted Jesus. He could not wait to go to work the next morning because his best friend, his boyhood friend, his best man at his wedding, his best buddy was waiting for him at work. And my father-in-law went in that morning and told his best friend, I got saved last night at church. And you know what his friend said to him? Well, that's great, Ed. I've been a Baptist my whole life. And my father-in-law said, what? You've never once told me about Jesus. You never once told me I needed to be saved. Well, you were a good person, and I just figured you, see. Stop taking it for granted that your acquaintances and your friends have Jesus. 
Tell them about Jesus. Invite them to this church. Give them a gospel track. Invite them to watch a a CD or a DVD of some message. Do something! But don't take it for granted that they've got Jesus. And then lastly, and I'm done. Look at verse number 48. Mary and Joseph lost Jesus because they had completely forgotten his purpose. Verse 48. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, you see the tears? Why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have something sorrowing. Wouldn't you be crying too if you lost a 12-year-old in a major city for three days? And what did Jesus say in that 12-year-old angelic little face? Mom, why are you looking for me? (laughs) I must be about my father's business. You know what Jesus was saying to Mary that day? He was saying, Mary, you know who I am. You know you were never with a man that I was virgin born. You know the day I was born, the shepherds came to the manger. You heard the angelic host. You saw the Shekinah glory. You remember the wise men bringing gold and frankincense and murder our home. You know who I am. Why are you looking for me? You know what I've got to do. I've got to be about my father's business. You see, Mary and Joseph had forgot Jesus' complete purpose for being born. And there's some of you this morning in this very auditorium that you have forgot what your purpose in life is. What is your purpose in life? You young people that are here, listen to me. There's a lot of people. They're born, they suck air, and they die. Quite a life. Born, suck air, die. Go down to the cemetery. There's a lot of people down there today putting plastic flowers on them graves. Their name, the date they were born, the date they died, ash. And I hate to say it, some people, that's all their life amounted to was a two-inch dash. You don't want to live a life like that. You want a life where there's a purpose. You want a life where there's meaning. When you leave this world, you want to be able to say, I took some people to heaven with me. I made things better for somebody. I changed the world of somebody. Not just me. You've got a purpose. Sir, what's your purpose? Why are you here? Why are you alive? Well, Brother Kent, uh, I'm the president of the Pittsburgh Mousetrap Company. And I have developed the best mousetrap killing machine in the world. Well, la-di-da-da. We'll make a little gold one, put it on your tombstone when you die. That'll be impressive. Mama, what's your purpose? Well, Brother Kent, I'm a mother. Well, really, really I'm a taxi cab driver because I go to dance class on Monday and Little League on Tuesday and then we go to band on Wednesday. Now we need men that build mousetraps and we need definitely need mothers that drive their kids around. But is that really your purpose in life? 
Is that your purpose? I was on an airplane the other day and this business type was beside me and he looked over and he goes, what do you do? (laughs) I said, I work for the biggest organization in the world. He goes, you work for the government? I said, bigger than the government. He said, who do you work for? I said, I work for God. He went, wow. You know what? It's good to have a purpose in life. And yes, you might invent mousetraps. Yes, you may be a mother and got a bunch of kids to run around. But you know what? Don't make that your purpose in the morning. Make your purpose. I'm going to get up today. I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to do the work of my Father. I was preaching a meeting in Springfield, Missouri one night. And a lady brought a friend to work and he sat right there on the aisle and he'd never been to church like this before and he'd never ever heard a preacher like me before and he just sat there like, ah. And when I held the altar call, he come down and he got gloriously saved that night. I'll never forget it. And So after the service, I went up to the lady and I said, thank you for bringing your friend from work. Where do you work? And she said, I work down at such and such factory. And I said, great. She said, but brother Kent... That's just my cover. I said, excuse me? She said, that's my cover. I said, ma'am, what are you talking about? She said, brother kid, everybody in the factory thinks I just work there, but I'm really in there trying to win everybody to Jesus Christ. And I thought, there's a lady that's thinking right. She's got a boring factory job, but you know what she does? She puts her New Testament and three or four gospel tracts in her pocket. And she goes undercover every day of her life. There's a reason to get out of bed. There's a purpose in life. You see, Mary and Joseph had forgot their purpose. And so they come up to Jesus, and really, it's kind of an odd scene. He's a 12-year-old, and Mary's going, why'd you do this? Seems like to me, she's the adult. Why are you blaming the kid? He's a kid. You don't blame the kid, it's the parent. You're the responsible party. I was a pastor for 18 years, and I used to love it when a young couple would come and get saved, and they'd turn their life around, and their marriage would go great, and their job would be better, and their kids were better, and they'd get a bigger house and a better car, and then all of a sudden, everything's just going wonderful. They're serving the Lord. They're walking with Jesus, and then they start missing church, and then they start dropping out, and then they start getting cold, and the next thing you know, they're gone. You mark it down. It happens every time. They're going to hit a brick wall. There will be a car accident. There will be cancer in the family. There will be some accident. Somebody will call the preacher and say, Preacher, they're going through a hard time. You know that family. They don't come anymore. I'd always go out to the house. I know your pastor does the same thing. We're sorry to hear about your problem. Is there anything we can do? And you know what they'll do every time, Brother John? They'll look up at the preacher and they'll go, Brother kid, why did God do this to us? Huh? You're the one that lost Jesus. You're the one that got away from him. And now you want to blame God. 
me tell you something. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. And he'll never desert you. He will never leave you. But yes, do we? Oh, yes. When I was a student at Baptist Bible College, I had quite the chipmobile. Mm-hmm. I drove a Datsun B210. Mm-hmm. For you young people, you don't even know what a Datsun is. They now call them Nissan because they found out in Chinese, Datsun meant does not run. Mm-hmm. Now, I was in love with this girl. She is my girlfriend. And if you know anything about a Datsun B210, there's two bucket seats with an emergency brake in the middle. And we just could not be close enough. So we went down and bought a little cushion that went over the emergency brake. We called it a console cushion. And she sat on that cushion. And I put my arm around her. And we cruised the streets of Springfield. Now, you young people, this was before seatbelt laws were enacted. And a few years later, we got married and got a good car. And she looked over and she said, Do you remember when we were dating, we used to sit side by side? And I said, Yes. And I have never moved an inch. You're the one that went to the door. Just shut her right up. Well, let me tell you something. God's never moved an inch. He's never lost where you're at. He knows exactly. But you know what? We can get so caught up in our life that we completely lose Jesus. And then we want to say, God, why did you? God didn't do anything to you. You're the one that lost Jesus. Mom, I gotta be about my father's business, remember? And this morning the question is simple. Have you lost Jesus? Is he as near and dear to you as he used to be? Or is there a coldness there? You see, I'm in a different church every Sunday, and I watch people come in the back door. I watched you tonight, today. Some of you got big old long faces. Look like you've been eating oatmeal out of a stovepipe. Some of you got stinky attitudes. I already met a few out in the lobby with a stinky attitude. You know what? That's a dead giveaway. You've lost Jesus. You're not walking with him. Because when you walk with Jesus, it's hard to be stinky. Have you lost him? This would be a great morning. In just a moment, I'm going to hold an altar call. An invitation, I call it, because I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to come and get on your knees by yourself and say, Jesus, I want you to be real in my life. I want to walk hand in hand with you every day, not just Sunday. There's some of you in this room, it's been a long, long time since you wrinkled your pant legs at an altar. It's a long, long time since you snagged some pantyhose down here because you've lost it. And this morning would be a great morning on this Memorial Day weekend to find Jesus. I love it when Mary and Joseph found out they had lost him. The Bible says they turned around and they began to seek him. And I'm going to tell you, if you seek him, you will find him. And turn around is the perfect illustration of repentance because that's what repentance means, turn around. 
Maybe there's someone in this room. You say, Brother Ken, I've never lost Jesus because I've never found him. I'm not a Christian. I've never been born again. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're in luck this morning. We've got people with Bibles that would love to pray with you and show you how to call upon the name of Jesus. And today you can find Jesus. How did we lose Jesus? Turn around and begin to seek him. And you will find him. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask that every head be bowed and every eye closed. Julie's going to play softly and then I've asked her to sing a verse of invitation for us. You won't need words. She'll do it for us. But just before Julie sings, I'd like to have a word of prayer. And I'd love to pray for you. They'll bring the house lights up and bring my spotlights down just a little bit. I'd love to pray for you. If you need prayer, now you're going to have to help me because if you're a Christian and you'd say brother Kent somewhere in this message God spoke to me about my life God spoke to me about my heart and brother Kent I'm a Christian but I need you to pray for me in this prayer I'd be happy to pray for you all you need to do is just put your hand up and put it right back down how many are like that this morning? Brother Kent, pray for me. Yes, 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 yes. Who else? Who else? I was scared at first, but I'm going to put it up now. Yeah, I see you. I see you. I believe we had hands in every section. Anybody else? I'm going to wait a minute. God spoke to me about something today. Would you pray for me, Brother Kent? Pray for me. Anybody else? Heads are still bowed. Maybe there's someone here this morning that'd say, Brother Kent, I'm not saved. If I died today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. But Brother Kent, I care about my soul. And I wish you'd pray for me. Now, I'm not even going to ask you to put your hand up. I don't want anybody to see you move. But I still want to pray for you. Maybe you could do this. Maybe you could just lift your head up. And just by looking at me, our eyes will meet. When our eyes meet, you can put your head right back down. You're looking at me, you're saying, pray for me. I'm not saved, but I care about my soul. Would you pray for me? Yes, I see that. Who else? Who else is like, yes, I see that. Thank you. Yes, I see that. Thank you. Who else? Brother Kent, I'm not saved, but I care about my soul. Would you pray for me? Just lift your head up. Just look at me. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? All over. I'm looking the best I can. All over. Yeah, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Heavenly Father, I come first for these Christians all over the building. Hands went up. I don't know their hearts, but you do. And dear God, I'm praying today to be a day of turning around. A day of seeking that closeness, that intimacy with Jesus that they once had. I'm praying today to be a day of humbling themselves. 
down at an old-fashioned altar to make things right. And then, Lord, I pray for these that looked at me, several around the room said, pray for me, I'm not saved. I'm praying today they'd find Jesus. They'd walk down to this good pastor and just say, I want to get saved. I know today if they'll come with faith, you'd save them. Dear God, we give you this invitation. It's yours. You bless it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look up here and listen to me just a minute. If you were one of those that put your hand up, I think your hand went up for one reason. God was doing something right here. Maybe you didn't put your hand up, but God's dealing with you. I'm going to invite all them Christians, when Julie sings that first word, you make up your mind right now. I'm just going to come stake me out of place at the altar, and I'm going to do a little mini prayer meeting right here with me and God. And I'm going to make a difference today. I'm going to humble myself to do that. I don't want you to mess around. We're not going to sing a lot of verses. When she sings that first word, you find this altar. Pastor, he's right here on the front row. If you're one of those that looked at me and you need to be saved, don't you come and just kneel and pray. You walk over to your pastor and just say, Pastor, five words. I want to be saved. He'll know what you mean. He'll have a man take a man. A lady will take a lady. And they'll take you out privately and show you how to call upon the name of the Lord today. And you'll find Jesus. It'll be the greatest thing you'll ever do. Find Jesus. Have you made up your mind? Make up your mind. Not in a minute. Make up your mind right now. I'm going to that aisle as soon as Julie sings that first word. And let's do business with God this morning. Are you ready? All right, Julie. Come on. Sing it out good and loud for me. Come on. Come on right now. Come on. This is for you. Come on. This is for you today. Amen. Amen. There's one. There's two. How about you? Come on. Is he dealing with you? Come and find your way. Amen. Amen. Find your way right here. You need to be saved. Walk over that preacher. He's telling tonight. I want to this morning. I want to get saved, preacher. Come on. How about you? Several of you, God dealt with you. He dealt with you. Don't say no. Come on down. I'm with yourself. Got family you need to be telling? You got a mom and a daddy that's lost? Why don't you come call their name? Why don't you say, Lord, give me the courage to be a witness? Let me tell them about Jesus. Who else? Who else today? When are you going to stop being a spectator and become a participator? Huh? How many more services do you stand for? Come and do something for Jesus. I'm going to have Julie just play softly while these are at the altar. You don't know where in the Bible does it say you have to be saved at an altar in a church? I'll be in the lobby. The preacher will be back there. Caleb will be back there. Other staff. If you'd like to be saved, why don't you just come up and say, Hey, I need to talk to one of you. We'd be happy to show you how to trust Jesus. But don't go home lost today if you need Jesus. Preacher, come and take this pulpit.